Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Well, I want you to go ahead and get your Bibles out, get your notes out. We're going to dive into God's Word while you're passing those baskets. Uh, Really, this is the wrap-up for my series that I've been in, and today's message title is called The Success Strategy. The Success Strategy is a final message in these five parts about crushing offense. And, and today you're going to get the final crush tool on this success strategy. And really, if you're, if you're going to crush offense, honestly, you have to have a strategy. So by the end of this message, you're going to learn what not to do and what you should do. Because I don't want you to get sidelined and fall into what I call the ditch of offense. So today, I mean, how do you handle it if you get ignored? How do you deal with it when you're being talked about? What do you do when someone lets you know, hey, you just don't measure up. You're not good enough for us. I mean, how how do you deal with it when somebody calls you a name? What do you do? Well, there is a simple success strategy, and we'll be talking about that today because it started with this woman in the Bible, uh, and, uh, and she had to process through this. And the culprit, the one who kind of egged her on a little bit, was Jesus Yeah, this story is in the Bible, and it's really, really cool because Jesus gave her opportunities to get offended, and she executed what I call the success strategy. So turn to your Bibles to Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. Matthew 15, 21. And while you're turning there... Uh, the ushers are beginning to pass out now. They're, they're, they're going to d- deliver some baskets. Now, just a minute ago, you put stuff in the baskets. Now I'm going to have you take stuff out of the baskets. But they're passing these baskets that have these, uh, these little cards in them, and we call them invest and invite cards. And these invest and invite cards, they, uh, they have two sides to them. One of them has the information on, on the invitation. The other is has a blank space on it, and that's for you to put your name, put a, some contact information. We call them invest and invite cards for the simple reason. Because use that card, invest in the person, first of all. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's great to invite people to church, but I believe we should also invest invest in people. So maybe that may mean taking them to lunch. Even a, a simple way of investing in a person with the life of God is to pray for them. Say, how can I be praying for you? And utilize your spiritual influence on their lives and bless them with your prayers. Bless them with kindness and friendship. So you invest in a person and you also invite them to church and then they'll just scan that little code on there and everything they'll need to find out about the church is right on there for them. So so uh, get get those, take a bundle. I think they're maybe like about 10 cards per bundle. Keep them in your purse, keep them in your pocket, take them to your desk at work, uh, put them with your business cards and and uh, and utilize those. In fact, I, I encourage you to specifically invite guests to church next Sunday. Next Sunday, I'm going to be doing a message and, and it's it's uh, it falls into the category of apologetics. Sometimes I, I like to do a sermon like that. And my sermon title is this, If God is good, why is there suffering? 
That's a huge question people ask. And, uh, and we're going to we're going to deal with that question next Sunday. This is a perfect opportunity to invite somebody who may be skeptical about Christianity. Maybe someone who questions you. To say, well, my pastor's going to be sharing a message about that. Why don't you at least just come and listen and hear? And, uh, and I encourage you to do that. So really, the, the, the question is, why does God not only allow suffering, but... but uh, uh, the truth is, none of us like it. I don't like suffering. How many of you like suffering? No, I didn't think so. Then, <laughs> well, and, and then why are there natural disasters? Uh, why are there heart-wrenching acts of violence like we see around us? I, I mean, does it make sense that a good God should not, like, try to prevent things like that from happening? Really, if God's all-powerful, why can't he stop it? Why doesn't he stop it? We'll be talking about that next Sunday. I don't mind taking that on. I mean, and, and even like, what about people who are good? Why do they suffer from violence? Why do they suffer from disasters and pain and, and go through challenges? So next Sunday, I'm hoping to bring some clarity to this. So pray for me as I brush up on, on everything that I need to be sharing this, this week because I'm looking forward to sharing it next Sunday. It's a great Sunday to bring a guest next Sunday. All right. But today we're going to crush offense. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you for leading us in worship today also. Appreciate you so much. Appreciate all of our worship and production team. These guys are awesome. But uh, uh, we're going to crush offense in our lives. I want us to do that. You want, it to, you want to do it too. But if we're going to crush offense, we have to release. You're going to crush, but you have to release humility into your life. And that really is the success strategy. And now you can leave because you've just heard the success strategy. So goodbye. It was not, now, no, don't leave. Don't, don't, don't leave yet. Uh, because humility crushes offense. It just does. Humility crushes offense. I love the graphic that we use for this series. It's a picture of a boot. And I asked him, I said, I want this big boot that's like crushing the word offense. And, and so I, Ian or somebody put it together for me. I was like, yeah, that's good. But you know that big, solid, strong, durable-looking boot? <laughs> it's something very simple. It's called humility. Because you don't have to live with offense. Offense is toxic. Offense puts you into what I've called the ditch of offense. And when you're there, it's rancid, it's stinky, it's ugly, and nobody wants to be there. Nobody really wants to live in the ditch of offense. Yet way too many people abide there, and then you don't really know how to get out. So why do we get offended in the first place? that's, That's a good question. I think sometimes, sometimes it's just our nature to want to believe some salacious story that our brain has concocted. Do you know that that's actually human nature to create stories? Our, our, our minds are set up to put stories together, and our, the, naturally the human mind is very inquisitive, and our brains will create stories. So you may see something or hear something, and, and you have little elements of information, but your brain brain is trying to put a story together. Your brain is trying to figure out what connects all these dots. And, and if you don't have all of the information, and truth be told, we never have all the information, all right? If you don't have all the information, then, uh, then what are you going to do? Well, 
your brain is going to concoct a story unless you have the humility to say, I really am not going to go there with trying to create this story. And, and, and you'll base it a lot of times on your own past experiences. Well, I, this and this is happening, and that's happened before in my life long ago, and so I'm thinking this, and I'm thinking that, and you create a story. Uh, you, you fill in the blanks. And what happens is when a few people get a story in their heads and begin sharing it with one another, they put their story together. And in all honesty, that story then in people's minds or your minds or our minds, we, we all tend to do this one way or another, that becomes like fact. And you've just, you just know that you know that you know it's a fact. Um, it's, it's just this thing of then a bunch of friends get together and they all kind of get offended over this fact that's not a fact, but you think it's a fact because your, story, your brain put together a story. And this is a true story. I've got to tell this to you. It's, it's, uh, it's quite interesting. It's funny. I can talk about it now and just laugh about it. But back in 2015, we were, we were getting our church up and rolling, and, and uh, there were some people here. None of them are here now, but, but there were some people here that created this narrative. They created this story. And the story was this. They had determined because of some of my work in the community and some of the things that I was doing and, 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 and how I was serving the community that I had really started City Life to gain popularity and that I did this so that I could eventually go into politics and leave the church. And so I would get this big following. I would become a political superstar, and then I would, was going to go ahead and, and, uh, and take a political office here in town. Now, that's, that's for real. Uh, I, I, that's like, that really, really happened. And, and like people started like leaving the church. I would contact them. And finally someone said, well, let me just sit down and meet with you. So we sat down and had lunch one day. And, and we, we had this wonderful lunch. And they said, so tell me the truth. Tell me about your political ambitions. I was like, what? what? And so then eventually the story all came out. And it's like, yeah, us and these people and these people and these people, we know what you're up to. And we're all, there was an important word, offended that you have manipulated us and that you have deceived us and we're no longer going to be part of a deceptive, evil ministry like this. I, and, and these are some people that were leaders in our church. This all happened, they're gone. All right, they're gone. I didn't give you names. They're gone. You probably wouldn't know them anyway. This happened so long ago. And I was floored. I'm like, what? I, 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 my brain had never even concocted such a corrupt idea and what, I ended, what it ended up having to do is I had to get in front of the church and I had to say, I have to tell you this. I'm not a politician. I, I'm not going into politics. I, I'm a, God has never called me to be a politician. I would never want to do that. Trust me, still to this day. I, I would never want to do that. I am a pastor. God called me as a pastor when I was three years old. I remember clearly, and God did not say I was going to be a politician. No way, no way at all. Yet the interesting thing is some people who had already believed that, they still continued to, to believe that. And uh, at a certain point, I just laughed. And th- then I had this idea. I thought, well, you know what? They perse- I was feeling like, I'm persecuted. I'm persecuted. Uh, and and, and like, they, they persecuted Jesus with this same thing, too, that he was going to take over and be, be the king, and he was going to be the politician, and he was going to rule and reign and do all that kind of stuff. And I thought, well, actually, he is eventually, so that one doesn't work. And, and I don't think I'm as persecuted as Jesus was. So my whole excitement about being persecuted, I kind of got deflated there. It's like, man, I got to come up with something better so I can actually really feel persecuted. But those things happen. You guys understand that? Those things happen. But just, just our brains concoct stories. And we get offended. And then that offense actually breaks down relationships and hinders 
miracles in our lives. Yeah, miracles in our lives are hindered because of offense. And I think it's one of the many reasons, and John shared some earlier, but I think it's one of the many reasons why, why prayers aren't even answered. We're praying, we're crying out to God, but there's offense, and we're holding on to this stuff, and, and God doesn't come through because God's wanting you to be free from that offense. So today, to illustrate this, we're looking at the story of the Canaanite woman. I asked you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. I need you to get it open there and hold it open because we're going to read through the passage. Then we're going to come back through and we're going to talk about little uh, elements that are in this passage of Scripture. But it's the case of the Canaanite woman. Just to let you know, the Canaanites were not Jews, all right? These were Gentiles that were living in a Roman province that was immediately adjacent to Israel. And, and, uh, and, and the Jews, they had these strict rules that they were not to engage with, they were not to interact with the Canaanites. In fact, they called them, in fact, there's even historical documents that show them, they called the Canaanites, they called them dogs, they called them Canaanite dogs or Gentile dogs. Uh, and and that was that's what they called them. That was that's, 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 there was bad bad friction between the Jews and the Canaanites. So what you're going to see in this passage of scripture is that sometimes God will test you and will test me, will test us with opportunities, opportunities to take offense. And I believe it's to see if we are going to break through with the spirit of humility in the face of something that really doesn't feel good at all to us and to grasp and to hold on to the miracle that he has for us. Uh, For example, I could have gotten offended that people were offended with that story I told you earlier. It broke my heart. It made me very sad. And, and I had to process through a lot of that. But it, it, it's just, it, I had to let it go. Because if I get offended, my miracles stop. I don't want that. I move on. That's why I started laughing and making fun of myself about me being you know, persecuted for righteousness sake. I'm like, I'm, that's the biggest persecution I got here. So it, it, you've, you've got to simply move forward. You've got to move on. And I want you guys to have miracles. The things you're praying for, I want them to... St- them to come through for you. But very seldom do miracles come through for people whose hearts are bound up with offense. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. Let's read through this. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away. She keeps crying after us. And he answers, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And the woman came and knelt before him, Lord, help me. And he replied, is it not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs? Yes, it is, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumb that fall from the master's table. And Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted, and her and her daughter was healed at that very moment. God, give us revelation. Give us revelation to see ourselves in the midst of this story. Give us all a, 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 a tenacious spirit of humility so that we can break through any a lingering offenses or potential offenses that are hanging around us. God, we want to see your miracle power active in our lives, active in our families, active in our church. 
God, let us be offense free in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's break this down one scripture at a time. Look at verse 21. Start at the top. Let's address this because this is an intense passage of Scripture. At first glance, you know, most people say, well, it's a, it's a passage about faith. Yes, it is. It is a passage about faith, but it's about overcoming offense with humility so that your faith will activate miracles. So verse 21, it says, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now, Tyre, this was a, uh, a Mediterranean uh, vacation destination. It was a coastal destination. It was kind of like almost like what we would consider today a resort area. And uh, and so Jesus had actually left Israel to go out there. Uh, This is the only recorded trip that we see of Jesus in the New Testament where he left uh, and, and went outside of Israel. So it's very obvious that Jesus was on vacation. Jesus took vacations, and you should too, all right? That's, the, that, that, that's one of the little points you can take out of this message, but it's not the main point. So Jesus and the disciples, they were out there. They were on vacation. They were hanging out at the beach. They were having a good time. They were going out and fishing and eating crabs, and they, they, were, just, they, were, they were just having good time, man. They were making sushi. I don't know what they did back then, but, but they were on vacation. It was a time of rest and no work, and they were being refreshed, and Jesus and his crew, they were trying to unwind because the ministry had been really intense. You read the scriptures before that, man, they had just been going through one thing after another. They were tired. They were wore out. They needed some time away at the beach, so that's where they were. But then verse 22, look at it. While they're at their beach vacation, while they're hanging out, getting the sun and putting on the sunblock, a Canaanite woman from, they didn't have sunblock back then, I don't think. But a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, she obviously knew that he was Jesus, that he was this miracle worker that was from Israel. She called him Lord, son of David. So she's being submissive to him even by calling him Lord. She's a Canaanite, my goodness. And uh, and. And she's calling him the son of David. So she knows who he is. He is the son of David, this guy who works miracles. That's what most people believe that he was, a prophet. And she says, my daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. But look at the next line right there. Absorb this. Jesus, what? Did not answer a word. Jesus totally ignored her. I mean, uh, well, I guess they're on vacation, right? But wow, come on. What's the deal here? And the thing is, that may happen. You may feel that even with Jesus doing that to you. But you know what? Other people do it to you too, which is your first opportunity for offense in this message. (laughs) Offense opportunity number one is you get ignored. You are ignored. Someone just totally ignores you. You're doing the right thing. You're doing a good thing. You're doing an admirable thing. You're, you're, but you're totally and completely ignored. You have this need. Uh, and, I mean, demons are attacking your family. In this case of this woman, demons are attacking your family. She needed a miracle. And, and you may have this situation. You just need somebody else to respond to you. And you send them a text, but they don't text back. You, you, you leave a voice message, and they don't respond to it. You're, they, you send them an email, they don't reply to it. Uh, you do a project, your project is ignored. In other words, your legitimate need is not being acknowledged. And a lot of people, the normal reaction at that point is, I'm going to give up right here and now because they're ignoring me. 
That's where anger happens. That's where rage happens. That's when the walls go up. That's where, you know, very likely this, you know, someone could have said about Jesus, well, this guy's a phony. He's a fake. <laughs> you, you tell people, well, I had a legitimate need one time, but he or she didn't even look at me. They didn't even reply back to my text message with K. Because you know what? If you get a K back on a text message, at least you know they read it. K. Didn't even get a K. I'm offended. <laughs> but you know what? Humility prevents this. If someone's ignoring you, you have no right to get offended. You know, you do not have a right to get offended if someone's ignoring you. Humble person will look past that. That's not easy. But the path God's called us to walk on, it isn't easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. Now, there's more to this. Look in verse number 23. Keep reading through the narrative here. So, so Jesus uh, came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. Now, look at this. So they've, they, they, it's been ratcheted up a level. The disciples are now begging Jesus to get rid of this loud woman. The disciples are saying, Jesus, I mean, they're like, geez, we're on vacation here. Come on. We want to have our vacation time. Tell this woman to hush. She's loud. She's hurting our ears. I mean, we don't have any margin to do miracles. It's, our, it's my day off. My goodness, it is my day off. I, we don't do ministry on my day off. <laughs> I don't do those things on my day off. I mean, and maybe you've been on the other side of that. Oh, that's... Someone's just Telling other people, and you can hear them, just ignore them. Ignore them. Don't pay attention to them. So offense opportunity number two is this. You get talked about. You're talked about. Someone's yakking about the stuff. Yakking about you. They're talking about you behind your back. And you're, you, then you are even convinced, well, they're probably holding special meetings, or they're probably holding special convocations and, and phone calls. They probably even are having Zoom meetings talking about me. <laughs> I walk into a room, and they're there, and then all of a sudden, everybody gets quiet. Like, oh, okay, what was that all about? Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, I know something's going on here, so you, you begin to then get offended. And... You know very clearly they just don't want to deal with you. They just don't want to mess with you. So they're talking about you. Well, Jesus' disciples did that with this woman. But I want you to see this. This is a huge, big piece of bait that the enemy will put out in front of you to steer you into this ditch, this nasty, rancid ditch of offense. And only humility will keep you out of that ditch. When people talk about you, when people don't have time for you, humility is what's going to keep you out of that ditch of offense because that's where the enemy wants you, and he set up some bait there for you, something that we've got to overcome. Stop stressing about being talked about. Now, there's, there's more. This, this story keeps going on. Look at verse number 24. Look at it in your Bibles. I want you to see this because you, some people don't believe this stuff is here, but it, it is. It's all here. So Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Now, I don't think he did that, but yeah, it's just like, like wait, 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 did Jesus just, just, just say that? Did Jesus just make it clear that this woman and her need and her daughter being demon-possessed, she needed a miracle, deliverance, healing? Did he just say that wasn't in his job description? 
what? I mean, this guy is like Jesus. He's, he's God. What do you mean it's not in your job description? You know, he's like, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Oh, so what does that mean? That means I'm the wrong race. I'm the wrong nationality. I don't measure up to your standards for the people you minister to. Now, just so you understand, this is important to understand. We do have to understand the cultural nuances of this, plus the calling of Jesus. Uh, Jesus' mission on earth was very specific. It was a mission primarily, what he did, his mission was to the Jews. It was to the Jews, it was to the people of Israel who were awaiting the Messiah. So that is true. That was his area that he was supposed to do ministry in. But of course, if you do read through the New Testament, you will see that Jesus did some other things for some special people who came to him that were not Jews, and he responded to their faith. So what's this about? (laughs) You see, in, in, in reality, it wasn't until after Jesus' ascension into heaven that it was all opened up to where the church is now to minister not only to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. And this was a huge struggle in the early times of the church because Jesus had set this up with the disciples. They're only ministering to Jews. But then when he was gone, he said, okay, now you've got to hit the whole world. So they had to overcome all that later on. This is all in the Bible. It means some great reading. But still, but still, offense would say, How rude is that? So here's opportunity to get offended, number three. Here it is. Write this down. You are told you don't measure up in one way or another. In one way or another. You know how it works. Uh, You get the runaround. And it's just because of you. For, like, whatever reason, you don't measure up to that person's standards. You don't fall into the right category for that person. So you're stuck. And then... You can get offended and ruin it all for yourself. Now, hear me well. Do not take that bait. That will lead you into the ditch of offense. And if you remain humble like this woman did, you can be strong and you can overcome. And she overcame that. And you can too. Look at verse 25. You think that was crazy. Just, just wait. Let's just keep reading. The woman came and knelt before him. Okay, she's on her knees at this point. (laughs) They can't even keep moving forward. They're trying to walk. They're trying to get away from her. She runs around, gets in front, kneels in front of Jesus. Lord, help me, she said. And then Jesus said, okay, I'm going to help you, right? (sighs) No, not yet. She had to overcome yet one more opportunity to get offended. Now, I'm not encouraging you to give people opportunities to to be offended. I'm not, this is not an encouragement to do that. But this is what this is. This is an encouragement for you to overcome these things when they come at you from other people. In fact, God will sometimes allow those situations to happen to test your humility. And I really believe he does that a lot. I don't know, he does a lot to me. I don't know about you. He does a lot to me. Okay, the woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me. He replied, Is it not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs? So this opportunity to get offended is escalating. And I know this statement that Jesus made right here, it's a little bit cryptic because you do have to understand the culture at the time. But the children's bread that he's referring to would be the good things of God, the things that God was doing for his children, which would have been been Israel, the Jews. So he's saying... 
I have a ministry. That's basically where he's saying it again. I have a ministry to the Jews. But he's saying it in a very, very, very colorful way. And then he used the term dogs, which was a term that all the Jews used about Canaanites. And, in fact, the particular word of dog that he uses here was like a small dog, like a puppy. So he's taking children. The, the children of, of Israel get the children's food. And then the puppy, puppies, you know, they don't, I'm not going to give the puppies, the little dogs, the things that belong to Israel. I don't get it. Do you get it? Do you, does it make sense to you? Does it make sense to you? It, it does not make sense to me. I, I, I do not get it. But it happened nonetheless, and it's in the Word of God for us, and we're to learn from it. Now, <laughs> it doesn't matter what culture you're in. If someone's going to call you a puppy or a dog, and I know I've seen some commentators on this, like, oh, Jesus all of a sudden was being nice and going, oh, you just like a little puppy. Yeah. Now, nah, that wasn't what he was doing. That's not at all seen in the context. Remember, uh, just if you're studying the Bible, you want to study the Bible. The truth of what's happening in a passage of Scripture is always found in the context. So he wasn't going, my little puppy, baby, oh, baby. He wasn't doing that. No, he wasn't doing that. And she knew what he meant. And the truth is, stuff like that has happened to you too. It could be from your family. It could be from your workplace be in the community. Maybe someone in the church has said something to you like that, which gives you the fourth opportunity to get offended, where words are used to demean you. And that, that is probably one of the most horrible ways to get offended. Someone uses really ugly words to demean you. And if you've experienced it, and most of you have, and some of you have experienced it in a huge way, please know this. It is a horrible feeling, and you, I think you do know this, but it still does not give you the right to get offended. It is bait to get you off your game. It's bait to throw you into the ditch of offense. In fact, take a look at how she responds. Now she begins following this success strategy. Her strategy all along was, I'm not going to get offended. I'm, I'm going to be humble. She's on her knees in front of him. He's t- telling her, uh, you know, I'm not going to give uh, the children's food to the dogs, you know, to, to the puppies. And, and here's what happens. Look at this, verse 27. This is amazing. <laughs> she understood the conflict. She understood the, the cultural conflict between the two groups. So she says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. <laughs> okay, that changed everything. Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted, and her daughter was healed. She was delivered of the demons that very hour. You see, unoffendable people have great faith. Look at that. You have great faith. What was her faith? Her faith was, I'm going to keep pressing on in spite of the opportunities to get offended here. Unoffendable people, you have faith that will move mountains. See, she crushed offense. She crushed that offense, and she received her miracle. 
And you know she was so delighted that she had gotten that miracle. Her daughter was miraculously healed. And it was primarily because she was able to keep herself out of the ditch of offense while she was praying. She wasn't actually praying, but she was calling on the Lord. And that's what we would call prayer. But she was calling on the Lord over and over and over with many opportunities to get offended. She kept on going and she remained childlike. She remained humble. She remained elemental. So the success strategy for crushing offense is based upon one word. What is that word, guys? Humility. 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 I mean, could it be that God sometimes does test us like this? Well, I, I believe that he does. God allows things to happen to test us. And if we use the simple strategy that the Canaanite woman used, which was the strategy of, of humility, the strategy of continuing to go to the Lord over and over and over, and, and con- or even just continuing to engage and bless, it can unlock a miracle for you. That miracle just might be waiting for you to respond to your situation with humility. Matthew 18, uh, verses 3 and 4 from the Message Version of the Bible. I read this a uh, couple of weeks ago. And this is, Matthew 18 is Jesus' powerful teaching on, on how to overcome and handle offense. But listen to this. It's on the screens as well. It says, unless you return to square one and start over like children, you're not even going to get a look at the kingdom, let alone get in. Whoever becomes simple and elemental again, that's, that's the, that's the plan for humility right there. Like this child will rank high in God's kingdom. Strategy here is to be like a child. I, I, I just wonder how many miracles all of us have missed. Uh, things we've prayed for, things we've believed for, and we didn't receive that because we were offended at someone. The miracles never materialized because, truth be told, offense shrinks our faith. You can get up and yell and shout and God, but until you deal with your own offense, your faith is shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. This is true. This is God's word. My definition of humility, based on this, I shared this with you in in this series, is the, the childlike attitude of living simple and elemental. That's good. It's a way to do things. A few years ago, um, someone sent me, uh, they, they, they emailed me this, this chart that they had written up on a fence, and, and, uh, and, and I, I don't even know who this belongs to. I've asked several people in the church, did you give this to No, everybody said no. So I don't know. If, if this is you that gave it to me, wonderful. If that handwriting is yours, great. Some of you guys, if that's your wife, well, then that's great. I, I, it's pretty obvious it's a lady's handwriting. Guys could never write that good. But that's why God, that's what God said, in the, you know, he says, yeah, you, you need a woman in your life. You, you really need that. Lord knows we do. But I like this, and I, I've, I've looked, over, looked at this for so many times. There are two different directions you can go. Because someone's going to offend you. It's going to happen. So what are you going to do? You're going to tell people about it? That's the wrong direction to go. Because it doesn't lead you to a good place. Or you go directly to God in prayer. That's the right thing to do. If you tell people about it, the listeners begin to think less of your offender. Huh. Uh, well, I don't think very good of them. But on the other side, if you've gone to God in prayer, God listens to you and gives you the better perspective. Don't you like that? 
told people about it. It sees these people are going to join me in speaking negatively about your offender. Or on the right-hand side, you've given it to the Lord. You feel peace. And the need to vent to others is gone. I love that. Look over on this left-hand side. I, again, I, I wish I could give credit to the person who wrote this up and sent it to me. It says, I have succeeded in, which is actually failure, all right? I've succeeded in causing others to sin, creating divisions in relationships, making myself more upset by rehashing the details over and over. And this is highlighted directly, knowingly, and willfully disobeying God's word. This is their highlight. Wow. By reacting according to my flesh rather than submitting to the spirit. That's just ugly. I don't want that. And how many times have all of us found us there, one time or another? Or, on the other side, I have honored God by valuing unity over the very temporary pleasure of gossiping, gaining sympathy from others. (laughs) I see that humility side right over there on the right. You're humbling yourself before the Lord. You're turning it over to God. And that is not, I didn't, I've never said this is easy. That is not the easy side. The easy side is just to go crazy, <laughs> just to go crazy with it. So the formula for failure is basically this. <laughs> it is to embrace the offense and just yak about it. Get that offense in your heart, embrace it. That's mine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to own that offense. And yeah, I'm just going to tell everybody who's going to listen you kind of test the waters first, make sure they're like the type of person who's going to listen, and then you just go in and you just you just yeah, start yakking about it. The results of that, though, truth be told, is your faith is, is quenched. Uh, the miracles are going to stop. You've poisoned your own soul, and you are actually poisoning the souls of other people. God will hold you accountable for that. I don't want the miracles to stop in my life, and I certainly don't want to poison other people. Now, on the right side, the success strategy is this. This is it. It is to crush offense and walk in humility. Humility is at the foundation of all this. Just crush the offense, walk in humility. That doesn't mean you have to let others walk on you. It doesn't mean you have to be a doormat for others. It just means you're going to walk in humility. And you can, you can, and God has miracles for you on the other side of this. Today in this room, I'm I'm going to ask us to confess to God our need for more humility. More and more and more humility. I want it. I want more humility in my life. Humility doesn't mean shyness. Humility doesn't mean that you're sheepish or you... No, not at all. Moses, in the Old Testament, he was the most humble man who had ever lived. He even wrote it about himself. and It's, it's there. It's all in the Bible. I am the most humble man who's ever been around. Like, wow, that sounds prideful. But, but you know, humility is is you know, he was a he was a huge outspoken leader he led god's people out of the wilderness and he had his flaws and he had his faults but he operated in humility and as a result miracles happened miracles happened god used him mightily so you can be a mighty man or a mighty woman you can be st- strong or, or large in your demeanor and in your role that's great but humility is still applicable to that. 
want us to apply some humility in our lives. And one of the things I don't pray, I don't ask God to make me humble. There is nothing in the scriptures that say pray to God to ask him to make you humble because God does answer prayers and you probably wouldn't want to go through what God does to make you humble. I know some of you have done it and you've you're like, yep, I know how that works. But I recommend that you take the upper hand right now and you just say, I'm going to be humble. I'm going to walk into humility. Will you do that with me? Just lock yourself in with God all across this room. God, I, I'm making the choice today to walk in humility. Lord, I'm tired of being tripped up with offense. I'm tired of being being filthy and muddy and rancid, stuck in this ugly ditch of offense. I'm tired of that, God. I'm tired of reacting instead of being proactive in my humility. God, I'm so sorry for the way that I've behaved in the past. God, I choose humility. I choose to walk in humility. I choose to walk in humility. Scripture says that if you are humble, God's going to lift you up. Humility is a key to faith. Humility is a key to miracles. I want you guys operating fullness of the power of God. Just confess, just confess your sin before the Lord right now. Just confess your sin before the Lord of ego. Maybe gossip. Maybe harboring anger. Maybe planting seeds of dissension within maybe your family or the office your group, your peer group, whatever it is. Ask God to forgive you. And forgive that person. Forgive that person who leveraged it against you. Forgive them. Many times they don't even know what they did. They don't even realize it. But by you forgiving them, you now release, you are releasing the Holy Spirit to do His work in their lives. Because you can't be their Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit will do it for you as you forgive as you let it go and if you're here in this room right now just with nobody looking around and you are not in right relationship with Jesus and you know that today is the day you need to give your life to Christ you need to have your sins forgiven so that you can find yourself on the way to heaven then I'm going to ask you in just a moment to lift your hand because I want to pray a prayer with you a prayer of forgiveness prayer of the release of cleansing in your life from sin so that you do not leave here the same way you walked in, so that you leave here free, so that you leave here ready and prepared for eternity. So if you're here this morning and you're not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, that relationship isn't right, or if you're watching online, I'm going to ask you to respond. The way to respond online is to let someone know in the comment section that you want to pray, and they're going to pray with you. If you're here in this room and that's what you need today, you need salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. What we sang about at the beginning of the service, on the count of three, I want you to lift your hand for me. I'm going to see your hand and I'm going to connect my faith with yours. When I connect my faith with yours, then we're going to pray together as a group. And the healing power of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus, the 
wash away sin is going to be released in this room. Is that you? You need forgiveness of your sins. You're ready to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Lift your hand at the count of three. One, two, three. Lift it up for me. Lift it up. Thank you. Thank you. Put your hands down. Anyone else? Would you just do this with me right now, will you? If you lifted your hand, I want you to pray these words. Church, I want you to pray this also as a reaffirmation of your faith and as encouragement to those around you who are praying this prayer and they're giving their lives to Christ. Pray this out loud with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for your blood that washes sin away. I ask you now to apply it to my life, to forgive me of my sin, to cleanse me from all of my unrighteousness. I make the choice today to receive your spirit into my life and to turn from my old ways to follow you, to serve you, to be your disciple. And I pray these words in the name of Jesus Christ, my Savior. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.